Let us not go over the old ground. Let us rather prepare for what is to come. Marcus Tullius Cicero Trinidad, West Indies, one month earlier. January 19, 1944 The wings of the great bird painted a shadow on the rainforest canopy. In the trees, a male capuchin monkey shrieked a warning and the members of his troop reacted instantly. While younger males mimicked the bitonal call, a dozen females nodded together and shielded their young. Juveniles that had lately begun to explore their arboreal habitat now clung shivering to their mother's hair with both hands and feet. The adults shifted position on the branches, craning their necks to see the jagged patches of sky that showed through holes in the ceiling of foliage. After reaching a terrifying pitch, the cries of the winged hunter faded quickly. The bird was moving off. There would be no attack. The juveniles braved a look upward, then scurried away from their parents, posturing and chattering to send a message that they hadn't been frightened at all. The adults in the troop ignored them. They had already resumed their incessant search for fruits, nuts, and flowers. As the dual-engine bobcat followed the Aripo Valley south, the mountain forest of Trinidad's northern range gave way to savanna with its scattered assortment of shrubs and stunted trees. In the cockpit and nearly five hours out of Havana, Captain R.J. McCready gripped the controls of the camouflage-colored Cessna with aggravated impatience, unaware of the havoc his plane had caused for the Capuchins living below. The C-78 Bobcat was a light personnel transport with a cabin capacity of five, but on this trip there was only one passenger, a Major Fogarty, who seemed content to sleep through the entire flight. As a result, McCready hadn't spoken for several hours, which might have been a record had anyone bothered to keep track of such things. Although zoology was his favorite topic of discussion, McCready was known to range at a moment's notice from the mechanics behind kangaroo jumps to what might have existed in the seconds before the birth of the universe. Whether he was debating the existence of the Loch Ness Monster with someone he had bumped into on the street, or lecturing a classroom full of sixth graders on the wonders of the new injectable antibiotics, it did not matter. It was all so interesting. But recently, not everyone appreciated the breadth of MacReady's knowledge or his oratory skills. The man's sense of wonder has been replaced by something darker, said an anonymous academic quoted in the press. The article went on to call him an oratorical and conversational sniper. Outwardly, MacReady referred to his new title as a strong aversion to bullshit. Inwardly, though, he would have given up all of life's triumphs and titles, including his Ph.D. from Cornell, if even one person he truly loved were still alive. As they began their descent toward Waller Field, MacReady radioed the tower for clearance. Fogarty was finally showing signs of life, pressing his face against the cabin window as the Army Air Force's base loomed nearer, eating up more and more of the horizon. To McCready, Waller Field resembled a series of ragged scars torn into central Trinidad's Caroni Plain. He wondered how long it would take for the Savannah to reclaim the base once the war ended and the Allies went home. Too long, probably. McCready received his landing clearance, 
but as he took the Cessna down for a final approach, something thudded against the starboard engine, splashing the cockpit window on that side with streamers of red. Simultaneously, the plane was yanked hard to MacReady's right. He glanced over his shoulder, but his view of the struggling engine was partially obscured by blood. MacReady reacted automatically, feathering the starboard propeller. The blades angled into the wind, reducing drag, and he gunned the portside engine, simultaneously slamming hard on the left rudder. The Cessna responded, pulling back to port until finally it was holding a straight line toward the runway. The entire episode had occupied all of five seconds. Now that's something you don't experience every day, MacReady called back toward the cabin. There was no response, so he shot a quick glance at his passenger. And while he could not be absolutely sure, it appeared that Fogarty had somehow curled himself into a fetal ball. Never mind, MacReady said to himself.